What if you were able to collapse time on learning all the valuable success life skills that you've learned over the past 10, 20, 30 years? Well, at Highlight Coaching and Consulting, that's exactly what we do. We focus on coaching teens and young adults the valuable success life skills that we've all had to figure out over decades of our life. Our mission statement at Highlight is, it's our mission to equip youth with an undeniable sense of clarity and direction that inspires a lifetime of confidence, resilience, and continuous improvement. We offer in-person and virtual options to our one-on-one private coaching, as well as group coaching. And after working with a coach from Highlight, our clients have a better understanding of their mission, their vision, their values for their life, and a higher proficiency in the skills of time, task, and distraction management, just to name a few. So the other thing that's great about Highlight is we have multiple coaches that you and your young person can choose from because a connection is so important and building trust is where it all begins. So if you're looking to help your teen and your young adult get further in life a lot faster, reach out to Highlight Coaching and Consulting today. The information is in the show notes below. This is the Pathways to Greatness podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Forrester. In this episode, I have the honor and the privilege to speak to Joel Berry, who is a social media entertainer, I guess is the best way to explain it. He has a character that um, is his name is Tavin Dillard, and this guy is so funny. And he's funny because he reminds me of people that I grew up with. And, um, <laughs> and when you hear him, I have a clip next. Uh, Joel, I hope you're okay that I was able to pull this off the internet, but I wanted people to hear it. And then I'll have all the, the links to him um, and to his social medias in the show notes. But Joel is just a hilarious guy. And this is a character that just makes you laugh. He's just, he talks about his meemaw, his aunt, going down to the store and apple frittlers and donuts and all kinds of fun stuff. And so when I had the opportunity to dig in a little bit more, I realized that there's a lot more to Joel and he's not one dimensional. And there's another page that he has and it's Sweet Tea Films that his daughter runs. And it's really neat because she asked him questions and that gave me some depth to who Joel really is, or at least who I wanted to get to know more. And so I reached out and he um, was quick to respond and said, sure, we set it up. And what you'll find out, I think we talk about it in the episode, is he's in California. And we had an early morning here in Florida. And so it was even earlier for him. So I appreciate him being flexible and wanting to do that with me. And I tell you what, I gained so much from this one because when I asked him what his definition of greatness was, it was wisdom and walking wisely and discernment. And we just ran from there and did not get to any of the questions that I had hoped that I would get to, but I'm okay with it because of what he shared and the depth of um, just who he is and what anybody can learn from him, but also how they can dive into their own lives. So without further ado, Joel Berry. 
Beautiful apple fritter helps with that mental focus. I knew my Mima had an early bird against the perm appointment to get her hair did. Then I overheard in the calcium supplement section at the Walmarts at Mabel Childers had an appointment at the same time. Well, they're going to be a fight if they did that. So I was able to change Mima's appointment. Crisis averted. Hey, if you had a hand, I'd be giving you a high five, Frittler. So I'm always interested when I connect with people from online. I can't remember when Tavin first came into my feed, <laughs> but it came in with a vengeance. And then I just went down the rabbit hole. Was that, that was Instagram? It was. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I kind of like, I'm on quote unquote TikTok, but more just to kind of monitor my son to make sure he's not posting anything he shouldn't. And yeah. then, um, I do some stuff for, for my coaching business, but I post and ghost. I just put it on there and then I go, I may have a couple of swipes, but that that's it. I don't run down that rabbit hole too often. Yeah. Yeah. That seems Instagram seems to be where most of the interaction for me happens. Yeah. Um, well, I've got, again, like I said, a ton of questions, everybody, this is Joel Berry. And if you're on Instagram at all, and you've looked at my story, I have shared a ton of his creation of Tavin Dillard. And, and what's funny, Joel, is I grew up in North Florida. Where where are you located? I'm from Arkansas originally, but I, okay. live, I live in Southern California. Oh, so this is early for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Tavin reminds me of a ton of people that my family and I grew up with. So that was part of the draw of um, that. I find a lot of humor in it, especially with your Meemaw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good one. Um, so before I get started, so uh, I'd like to do something fun and I play Would You Rather. Okay. So would you rather freeze time or go back in time? Go back in time. Okay. Why so? I think when you're looking back, um, which isn't isn't really a, a good thing to do anyway but you you have a different perspective and especially if it's times that you haven't been in i don't know if that by your question you mean like go back to an earlier time in my life or go back it's since, whatever this is your 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 show yeah so then then i think there's opportunity to engage with people and you have a perspective of how history played out so you know uh there's conversations or questions you could ask with that you know perspective in mind i would imagine is there and, anybody particular that comes to mind, like a historical figure or someone in your past that you'd like to go back to? You know, I really am interested in a lot of American history and, and kind of the founding fathers and stuff. But probably I would I would go back to people like my my grandpa was born in 1908 and my my other grandpa was born, I think, in 1918 or 19. But to to meet their parents or their grandparents, just to get a little better picture because uh, you know it's like you meet your family and then you've got a picture of them. and then as you grow up they're like oh that's not how that happened with them and you realize there's a lot about your family that was you know you didn't know or you didn't need to know and then you're like well I wish I could ask some questions <laughs> so I think were the stories true that they told or were they tall tales yeah yeah or like you know their childhood like you know they don't they don't talk a lot about that you just i mean my my grandpa that died in uh he died in 2010 he was 101 like you know it's like i only knew him since he was 67 well i mean that's what how old i was or he was when i was born so i don't remember him till his early 70s and that's the guy i knew was a retired man and you realize there's a lot lot before that yeah and that generation you bring up a good point as well is they just didn't share 
hardly anything, especially not their feelings, their thoughts. It was a, it was a challenging generation of what they went through. Yeah. And people that are good, not every grandparent is, but I felt like my grandpa was people that are good in investing in others. They don't make it about themselves. So they're like, they're present with you and they're engaged in you. And when you're a kid, you think it's all about you anyway. So then you got somebody that's like, what do you want to do? And they want to take you places and hang out with you. And so, yeah, you don't think to ask, what was it like when you were a kid? I wasn't that kid. At least my older brother did better at that. Like, hanging out with my grandpa in the garden and, and asking him questions. I would, I would be inside watching cartoons a lot. So that sounds like me. And that it is because my grandmother, she was a talker, but I was a homebody, a mama's boy where I just wanted to be at home. And my brother did the same thing. He went on trips with her and did genealogy with her. And so well, actually with all of my grandparents. And so he got to know them much more than I did. And yeah. so I, there is some regrets or not, I wouldn't say regrets, but I wish I, I could, would have been a little bit more intentional with them to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. So the next one, would you rather live without music or TV? Oh, I could live without both, but um, <laughs> um, I guess music, I actually, I, I could live without TV. Honestly. Yeah. It's like, I was talking to my wife about this last night because I went to film school, but I didn't watch movies. And really, like, my wife was like, how are you going to function in film school? Like, you haven't seen these movies. I'm like, I don't want to watch them. I want to make them. So, you know, like people are talking about certain movies and it's it's similar with like TV. And then I listen to music, but it's not like my wife and I aren't people that like have, you know, go to concerts and have all these favorite bands that we always have to listen to. It's like, yeah, it's good. But so, yeah, I, uh, but I would probably do without TV first. So if you had to pick something, is it, are they books? Are you a, a book reader? Yeah, I like books. And then it's like, but I'm not a voracious reader. Like I'll start a book and then I'll work. You know, I finished one this year that I started, I think in 2021, you know, it's like I keep, but I, you know, I powered, I got, I got through it. I, I enjoy it when I have time. And I have books that I like to read, obviously, and I get audio books as well. Um, and so I definitely do like to sit and read. And I like to write. I try to I try to have the discipline of writing every day, five days a week. But that's that doesn't happen. Like I'll go through seasons. You know, if I'm working on a specific project, I'll drive hard on it. And then um, like right now, I have in my schedule every day this week, write you know, in the morning and I haven't set aside that time. What well, is Friday? I haven't done it this week because I'm working on other stuff. I mean, yeah. So, you know, but I do like to read and write. Okay. Do you, is it like creative writing or journaling or what specifically? Mm, journaling I do every day, usually five, six days a week. Um, but no, I'm talking about creative writing, like writing a screenplay, or writing the next season of my podcast. And because I'm on season eight of my podcast right now, and it's already done through, you know, Jan the early January. So I'm not thinking about my podcast right now. And every week I know what I'm going to say. And because I don't need to start on season nine yet, I have freedom to be working on. Uh, screenplays uh, are what I primarily spent time writing on. I finished a manuscript for a book recently. So that was the one of the more recent projects that should 
you know, it's supposed to be out in the spring. So, um, yeah, creative projects for sure. What I like to write. Okay, cool. All right. This one might be a little more of a, a tavern type question, but would you rather have an apple frittler or a bear claw? Oh, frittler, 100%. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's more texture to the frittler, more dense. Um, you can eat it like a sit-down meal with butter, microwave, melted on top with a fork and a knife. I mean, it could be. And you, honestly, when I get them, sometimes they're just out on the counter and you you work on it all day. So it, it's sure. funny how we justify that. You wouldn't sit down and go, okay, I'm going to eat an entire yeah. frittler. But I, if I eat it over the course of eight hours, I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's a, it was a small portions. Over. <laughs> it's like a, a bag of Oreos. It's mm -hmm. like you start with one and then you keep going back and one more and like, well, I'm yeah. only eating one for the yeah. rest of the day. <laughs> the like, next thing you know, it's gone. The fun size Snickers. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. The last one, Pete, would you rather have pizza or tacos? Uh, probably pizza. Okay. Do you have a particular favorite toppings you know what I, I and i haven't had this lately but i i tried it years ago and wouldn't have thought i'd liked it but pastrami pizza oh okay so i got mustard on it and pastrami and and i don't even like pickles um but pastrami is like one of the only things i'll eat pickles with um but i i, I like pepperoni anything with meat yeah a lot of meat. like your standard yeah yeah okay Awesome. Well, Joel, just to give you a, a snapshot of what Pathways to Greatness is, I know I, I think I described it a little bit in our interaction, but I started the podcast this year um, and was resistant to it for a long time, but decided, okay, I'll be one of amongst of the 2 million or so podcasts, um, yeah. primarily just to have people understand that there are different definitions of greatness everybody's definition is different and everybody's pathway is different and it's not linear and so what i'm eager to do is get people like yourself to share your story and tactics and things that you've been able to uncover on your pathway to to greatness and just to inspire and motivate people to not quit that it's just an enduring effort that it's a lifelong um, journey to get to greatness and to never stop. So based on that, what would you say your definition of greatness is? I, I feel like when, when people say greatness, they're contributing it to success or it's like, I'm successful. Right. And so the way I define success is what I found in the Bible, which is wisdom. So if, if I'm a person that walks wisely and handles my stewardships with intentionality, then I'm gaining success. And there's a lot of pitfalls I avoid, according to the book of Proverbs, which mm -hmm. it, it defines it as foolishness or folly. And so I want to make intentional efforts to, to walk in a way that's wise and conduct everything that I do from marriage to finances to parenting to how I approach my craft uh, uh, with uh, with wisdom and discernment. And that's like a, I had a mentor say when he was talking about wisdom once, I said, how much, I mean, how much is enough wisdom? Like, when do you know? And he goes, well, it's like asking how much money you want to make and how rich, you know, you can go as much as you want. It's available as far as wisdom. Okay, so... So it's an ongoing process. 
Yeah. And that's a great perspective because just like money is just because you're wise doesn't mean I'm less wise. It doesn't, you yeah. know, your wisdom doesn't hold back and take away from mine. So I'm curious of, you know, over the years, what have been some things that you've tried to do to, I guess, recognize wisdom or put it into play? How have I recognized it? How have I tried to recognize it? Yes, sir. Um, well, like I said, I, I'm getting my definition from the Bible. So mm -hmm. I have to know what the Bible says about it. So part of it's reading um, every day, try to every day uh, to get the perspective because we're always everybody's identity is wrapped around something it could mm -hmm. be their their relationships it could be their career it could be their politics it could be their family lineage it could be their faith and so I, i've realized if you anchor yourself to certain things it's not really an anchor you're just you're still floating like oh this this isn't this isn't a stable or there's no real direction here so if I'm going to get a perspective of what the Bible says about things, I have to read it. And um, because most of the inputs that I may encounter throughout the day will be opposite of that, because so much in, in the world is, is wrapped around selfishness. And a lot of our culture exalts um, independence and doing what I want when I want and doing what makes me feel good. But what we're seeing is that people have taken that road and run with it and come up very, very empty and, and really damaged not only their own life, but relationships that they deemed important to themselves. So for me, um, I have to remember what is, what is true. And, and because of that, I can anchor my life to it. And so that's one of the things. The other thing is getting wise counsel and seeking counsel from people that are farther along from me. I look at people and I'm like, how did you raise kids like that? And then I talk to them and I find out how they parented and how they handled their children at different seasons of life. Because as a parent, it's like a moving target. Like I thought I was pretty good at raising a four-year-old, but I don't have any four-year-olds anymore. So now how do I, how do I manage uh, their different seasons of life too? And so that, that's been a big help. Re Bible, uh, seeking out advice from older, wiser people who I look at their life and I'm like, they did something right. And I don't, and I want to know how. So, so I, part of that's being teachable and not feeling like I have it together. Um, and if there's anything that will humble a person, in my experience, it's being a parent because it's like, well, I thought I, I thought I knew. And then they're in a new season. So <laughs> just as you figure it out, it, it just <laughs> tips the other direction really right. quickly. <laughs> um, well, and that was one of the things, Joel, that really drew me into wanting to get to know you better is your Sweet Tea Films, where your daughter comes on and asks you questions. That is unbelievable. And oh, it's you. wonderful. I love to watch those and listen um, to not only her asking you questions, but your response back. Because yeah. um, they seem like they're impromptu. Does she just ambush you with a question? No, we come up like she she is in charge of that channel, so to speak. So she'll people. And now because it's grown, people will send in questions and she goes, dad, I've got some questions, you know, and we will go over them. Cause some of them I'm like, she goes, can I ask you this? I'm like, well, we've answered that one before or whatever. So, okay. Yeah. So there's, there's some planning involved for sure. And how old is she? She's 17. Okay. So I yeah. have a 13 year old daughter. So you, you would be one that I would seek counsel from because it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah, one she's minute. 
she's the amazing eight-year-old that was just the sweetest thing ever. And then the next minute, I don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah. Olivia's a senior right now. And then our sons are younger. She's the oldest. And so um, we're helping her navigate that. Like what's she going to do next year? And, you know, mm -hmm. she's working and she's applied for college and she's, you know, trying to navigate uh, life and, and on the verge of being an adult. And so that's a different season for sure. But yeah. we're, she, and she, I want to go back to some of the, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I, said, I was just saying Olivia makes it easy though. I mean, as yeah. a parent, she's, a, she's a good girl. That's awesome. And I want to go back to what you had shared when you were talking about how you find wisdom and how you recognize it. And I want to draw people's attention to what you said is um, that I wrote down is be intentional in learning, but it all starts with where are your values? Like, what do you value as a person and how are you going to link that up? And so I really like what you said there. And then remembering what is true. If you don't know where you're headed and where you want to go and, and what your, your compass is, it's hard to know what, what is true. And then the other thing that I, I feel in agreement with you is that society just makes everybody think they can do it on their own. And seeking wise counsel is so important that I don't think I do enough of, and other people definitely don't do enough of. They feel like they have to go to influencers and follow these steps versus having a, a real conversation of, okay, I know that person through and through because I live with them. I'm in community with them. And that's yeah. who I want to emulate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, real life is always going to be real life. And so, and obviously the last few years, especially with uh, isolation through the pandemic, I think that some of that got lost and people started believing that um, they had to, they had to isolate um, for their own safety. And uh, to some degree, it made sense for people, but it, overall what it, what it's done, I think there's just going to be lasting consequences that, you know, we have an opportunity to help people through that are, are stuck in isolation or in their own minds, you know, because uh, there's times where I'm working from home and my wife will come home and she'll say, who did you talk to today? And I'll say, nobody. She's like, yeah, you don't need to do that. You need to talk to people because <laughs> you get ideas. You're like, man, I'm, I'm thinking through this. I'm thinking through that. And it's like, um, so definitely the, the resisting the isolation and, and, and inviting people in, and that's, that, that takes discernment. It's not like you share the whole world. And, and that's where we've gone odd too, with the social media stuff where people think they need to, to share everything uh, that's going on with whoever uh, may find their feed or take advice from whoever pops up on their feed. And there's, there's really not wisdom in that. And, and so it's a different thing to navigate. And especially like I mentioned as a parent, like kids with screen time, whose brains are still developing, like that there, there aren't categories on how, how to process all this information. And I don't think we're really meant to, to be exposed to that. You know, I've talked to a friend of mine, pastor, my pastor, but he's a good friend. He was like, you know, back in the day, you knew what was going on in your neighborhood and maybe your town and, and the people you relate to and you would help and invest. But now you feel like you, you get, the world's problems in an instant on your shoulders and you're trying to figure out how to how to process all that and it's not really part of part of our stewardship so it, it can be really it can be really heavy and it's actually okay to unplug you know 
you're not doing the world a disservice by not watching everything that comes up on your feed. In fact, you're probably going to be more productive in the stewardships that you have because you can focus on that instead of things that aren't, aren't your stewardship or your circle of concern in my experience. Yeah. And that's a great point that again, I want to draw people's attention to is we're, we're looking at everything at such a wide lens. Are you paying attention to white rights and right in front of you? And that's where I feel again, I, I, in agreement with you is, is that the broader our spectrum is and the, our world is, are we missing the trees in the forest? Because usually they say, well, you missed the forest for the trees. And now I think we're too high up seeing too much where we don't see the own dangers in our home that might be lurking around the, the windows and the doors. Yeah. Well, I think that's an easy thing to do. Um, it, you know, and the Bible talks about having a having a plank or a log in your own eye when you're trying to get a speck out of someone else's. I think oftentimes I'm like, wait, what do I need to focus on here? What what are my what are my stewardships? And so I really try to drive hard on that because what ends up happening if I don't, I'm focused on things that aren't my concern. I neglect the things that are my concern and things unravel more, you know, and so that's that's not right. So it it takes intentionality and, and just reminding yourself, giving yourself permission to like unplug. And I'm talking specifically about like social media and you know news or whatever, because Seth Godin, you know, he's an author. He he had a quote once. He's like, as long as there's a front page, there's always going to be front page news. They're going to have to find something to put on there. So you kind of like you have to decide at some point. I'm going to unplug because this is not going to stop. You know, people won't stop, you know, and, and that's with anything. People won't stop posting on social media, but doesn't mean you have to watch everything that's posted or, you know, or keep posting yourself. You know, you can you can take a break from that stuff. So. Well, and you said the word discernment and that's I mean, the algorithm is the algorithm for a reason. If you don't want to see certain things, quit looking at it, <laughs> yep. you know, get it out of your feed. And yeah. it's the same thing with life. It's if there's things going on that you don't like, what are you allowing in that's creating that to happen? Yeah, you can be intentional. I was talking to a class. I teach part-time at a couple of colleges. I was talking to a screenwriting class yesterday and they have a, uh, I said, do you know what the average attention span of a human is right now? You know, there's some guesses. And I said, it's seven seconds. <laughs> seven seconds and I said do you know what the average attention span of a goldfish is and they were guessing I said nine seconds so a goldfish can focus longer than a human right now and I said but you don't have to be that you can choose to to focus and you can choose to pay attention and you can choose to be intentional um and you know we, we were talking in the you know from the vein of as writers you know they're writing screenplays you want to keep an audience's attention you know a reader's attention until they get to the end of your script you know you want to engage them and and uh that's your challenge right is to keep people engaged for the duration of your story not to for them to like wander off or put your script down and not want to finish it so but it's like just because the stats say this um doesn't mean you have to be that statistic and the other thing that you had shared as well, you talked about wisdom and discernment, and and I really enjoy this topic and had no idea this is where we were going to go. 
Um, I love to just go organically wherever it takes us. And I think a lot of times people think just because people are wise, that they're perfect and they don't make mistakes. And I, the people that I've sought counsel from and have learned the most have been the most authentic to share their shortcomings and their problems. And then how did they navigate it and what lessons did they learn from it? Or do you find something similar with the people that you seek counsel from? Yeah. If there's people that have it all together, it's hard to relate because I don't have it all together. So you know, you're right. for sure, the people that I mentors and friends of mine are ones that are like, man, I, I really blew it. Or this is one of my struggles. I'm like, Oh my goodness. That, you know, I can, I can relate. And so I think it's, it's true. And, it, you know, humility is a big part of that. You know, there's, um, you know, I've, I've learned over the years, like I said, through, through mentors and just learning, uh, reading the Bible, like the uh, wisdom, the, the pathway, the, the port, the front porch of wisdom, according to the Bible is the fear of the Lord and humility. You take God seriously and, and you stay humble that you're not God. And then you, you're on the path to wisdom and then how far that path you want to go and how much wisdom you want to gain is up to you. But you know, the Bible says, even in Proverbs one, they personify wisdom as a person, like uh, as a woman. And she's out in the streets, like here I am, like not hiding, not like, Oh, you know, where's wisdom. I got to find it. It's like, if you want it, it's here, you know, you, you can have it. And so um, talking to people that have struggled and that understand that, any success that they have is not because they're great, but because they realized they need help and they, they actually were humble enough to take it. And that's uh, the position I want to try to stay in, you know, and that's a daily humbling ourselves is a daily thing, which is something, another thing I've learned, like the Bible and first Peter says to humble yourselves. And a mentor of mine said, the reason is you don't want God to do it for you. So humble yourselves <laughs> under under his mighty hand in the proper time. He'll exalt you. So that's been helpful to me. Yeah, no, amen to that. And and again, that's the hard thing. And especially in your line of work of having tons of followers and creating content to receive likes and views and those type things. What are some of the the things that you do that can help, you know, someone who's not a quote unquote, you know, social media star? to manage their daily humility and struggles with ego. Cause that's, I see that all the time. Hmm. Um, maybe one thing is just to stop and ask the question. And maybe it's a question you ask at the start every day. Like what, um, what's, what's the goal here? And by that, it's like, am, am I, am I, is my goal 10,000 views on a video, a hundred thousand views? Like, you know, and you ask that question, like, what are the likes? Because if you're trying to measure it and like, oh, I need more of whatever. Well, for what? Cause let's say you get that, then where are you? Is, does it just rate? No, well, now I want this. Um, so if the whole thing is about, you know, chasing that, well, then you'll always be chasing. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a million followers, then it's like, well, I think we can get two million. It's so it's like, I think asking like, really, what's what's driving this? What's behind it all? What's the end game here? 
Um, and for me, it's not the end game isn't followers, but I do want them. Like I'll, I'll look at my followers. I'm like, huh, it hasn't gone up in a while because it represents growth. And in some ways it's like, well, is this party over? Like are people not engaged anymore? Um, and then maybe there will be a time where it is and I have to kind of adjust and, and pivot, but my, yeah. So I think defining your goal. Okay. Asking what you're, what you're there for. Yeah. The other thing that I'm, I'm curious about is a lot of people will see accounts like yours. And, and again, for everybody that you're, I'll, I'll give more background um, in the intro, but you know, Joel has a character on Instagram. It's Tavin Dillard. It's hilarious. And he's got, I think it's over 350,000 followers just on Instagram alone, not to mention all the other channels that you're on. And what's interesting is people will stumble up upon that and think, well, I want to do that, or I wish I had 350,000 followers. And what they don't see is the length of time and the consistency that you've had to put in to grow the brand. So how long has it taken you to grow? Because I want people to get that perspective is that there really is no such thing as an overnight success. Well, but uh, you know, my daughter, we were talking about earlier, who's a 17 year old senior in high school. When I shot my first Tavin video, she was six months old. And so um, I was on YouTube and I shot from 2006, I, I uploaded on YouTube for the first time. And within a couple of months, I got featured on the front page and it seemed like it was going to take off from there. And from 2006 to 2009, it kind of grew, but I mean... I don't know that I, I don't even think I, I didn't even have 10,000 followers, subscribers on YouTube in the, in the best years. And it, even now I don't have compared to my other platforms, YouTube is very small, but so for 2006, 2009, there was growth and you're trying to figure out what to do with it. Who, what, is this something that can, you know, become work for me and become something that I, I do uh, to take care of my family and all that. And then from basically 2009 to 2019, it plateaued. Like I was, I was turning out consistent Tavin episodes in obscurity for about a decade. And then in 2020, a friend had more than once said, you need to get on TikTok. And I was like, I don't need to get on TikTok. He's like, you should get on TikTok. So I got on TikTok and I got a bigger audience in two months on TikTok than I had in 14 years on YouTube. And so then all of a sudden, all these stories that I had done essentially in obscurity I had, I had a decade, more than a decade, I had 14 years of material that I could start mining and reusing and, and repurposing and telling, you know, vertical to a cell phone, shorter stories. And so when I got an audience, I wasn't like, oh no, where's this going to go? Like I had so much material um, that I was in a place to, to leverage the momentum. And then so 2020 to 2022, TikTok was great. And it was last summer, twenty the summer of 2022, spring, summer, that I noticed my 3,000 followers on Instagram started bumping up to 10,000, 15,000, 40,000. And so then, then it took off on, on Instagram. Yeah, I think that was last year, the early 2022, or, you know, spring 2022. So how long did it take? I mean, it's, we're 17 years in and 
this is the first year that I that Tavins made more money for my family than any of my other jobs. So this is the first year that's happened where I still teach college part time. But if I look at our income, most of it's coming from Tavin now. Now, I don't know if next year will be the same or not, but because it's not like a salary, it's month to month. So. Well, I hope everybody heard that it was 17 years. And, and the other thing that, that jumped out to me that I want people to hear is the work you do now will help you in the future. So you are being consistent and putting in the work without the followers, without the likes that you were hoping, and then the the support that you were hoping it would provide your family, but that pays off in the long run. So don't stop the work now if you're not seeing the result. And like you said earlier, is like what is the goal? What's the end game that you're working towards? And you know, if you think through that, like Joel said, is eventually if you're consistent, things will happen. And then you can utilize everything that you've already been doing to help you when you get to the point where you want to be. Yeah. It's faithfulness over time. And I had another mentor tell me like encouragement comes from being faithful. So the, on those days when you're like, where's the likes or where's the follows or where's the income? It's like, well, am I being faithful today? Cause that's the one thing I can, you know, getting better at the craft. And so I, I, that's, that's what I can control is, you know, my diligence. And so when it comes to social media, Part of that, I mean, an element of that is quality and consistency. I can show up every day and then I, I want to make sure that what I'm putting out is thought out. Like I'm not just throwing something out to post it, but that that it really rewards those who take whatever it is, the nine to 14 seconds to watch it or 40 something seconds for the longer videos right now. And then um, and then you leverage it. I mean, then you turn it, you know, I have the podcasts that are longer stories and I'll I'll borrow content from the podcast to turn into shorts and so it kind of feeds itself um you know and I'm, I'm still learning those systems you know to work smarter and not harder content but have you gone back and looked at the the early tavern um content and now and what the difference is um i have not much i've I, you know i had i haven't gone back much lately to look at the old old stuff but um yeah, I mean, there's definitely differences. Part of it is like Tavin in the early days was really slow and methodical. And then at some point I kind of went faster. And I remember someone commenting like, hey, here's here's one of your current videos. And this was before TikTok. Here's one of your old ones. Look how much slower you are. Like, take your time. Well, what happened was once I got on TikTok, it was a minute or less. And, and part of the intrigue with Tavin was how fast I could how much story I could fit into a minute <laughs> and all of a sudden it is how fast I talk is like a draw um and not all the time but it's like how can you get a story and then that's when I was trying to keep it under a minute now I'm trying to keep it under 20 seconds or you know 25 seconds something like that they're not always that that short um so yeah and then I did one recently it was 41 seconds it did really well and someone messaged me, I really like your longer form content. And they're talking about a 41 second video. So. <laughs> Isn't that crazy that yeah. that's long form now? Yeah. So what are some, because since you're a, a, a writer by nature, or what are some, I guess, tactics people can use when you construct a story that they can use in their life, in their day, and constructing their day? Do you have anything around that? Hmm. It's an interesting question. 
um, it's hard to script your day, but you do plan your day and kind of, but I, you know, with any story, there's a, there's a setup and then the, there's the, the call to action. And then there's a catalyst that kind of gets the story in motion. And then there's the climax and the resolution and then equilibrium is restored. That's like storytelling in a nutshell. So, um, I mean, having an expectation of where you want your day to go is very similar to a story. Like what, how do I want this to go? Now, uh, if you're a writer, you can control all that because you can end it how you want. Uh, in life, uh, you have to be open to uh, adapting because there's things you can't control. In fact, the sooner we realize the only thing we really can control is our attitude, I, I think there's a lot of liberty in that because we get so worked up and frustrated over people who, and people that we really love who make decisions that we can't control. Um, and then even as a parent, I mean, as a three-year-old, you can, you can save their life a lot. Like don't run in the street and you can actually control that by grabbing their hand and pulling them out of the street. But as they get older, 15, 16, 17, even 12, 13, uh, there's things where you, you have to take your hands off and say, well, I've, I've trained. I'm going to see what kind of decision they make. And then I'm going to debrief with them and try to help them because I can't, I can't be there uh, giving them advice they're not asking for their whole life. And so even with my kids, one thing that I've learned to do too is say, hey, I've got some thoughts on that if you ever want to hear it and give them the opportunity to say, yeah, I want to hear it so that I'm not the dad who's always like, you need to do this. You know what? You need to get that done. You need to do this. Uh, because it doesn't keep our relationship sweet and it doesn't keep their heart softened to to tr want want to hear from me or trust me and that's a that's a hard thing that process that's a great tip for parents out there if you just heard what he said and if not i'll remind you is that you say hey I've got some ideas about that or I have some beliefs on that if you want to talk about it let me know. And I, I think, actually not, I think, I know that that's such a great way to go because we're teaching them to critically think as well, that we're, yeah. the kids nowadays are just so just instructed. And so they yeah. can't think on their own. Many of them can't because they're not allowed to. And yeah. like you said, that gives them the ability of like, huh, there's curiosity. Well, what in the world's dad going to say? Mm -hmm. So if nothing else, I at least need to ask to know what he's saying. And then yeah. their minds are more open to receive whatever you're sharing because you're not talking at them. You're talking to them. Yeah. I even, even in the last year or two, my youngest son plays soccer. And I remember after a game, you know, as a dad, I mean, I, I was assistant coach too, but as a dad, you're, you're going to coach your kid, whether you're the coach or not, you, you know, it just happens where it's like, you need to get out there and do this and look for that and do this. And, you know, do that when in the game. And then I had some real thoughts for him after the game, one game. And I thought, I'm going to just, I'm going to ask him that. I'm going to say, Hey man, I got some thoughts on today's game. If you ever want to hear it. He's like, okay. <laughs> and he never asked. And which is fine. It's like, he, he didn't want to know. And so that's fine. And it's not like that is going to ruin his, soccer career or whatever it was just like it was more important for him to have the freedom and and have the opportunity to either seek advice or 
not and face consequences of that choice or not. And it's not like there was like dire consequences. I just had, I had some thoughts and I was, I just got this sense. I don't need to coach him right now. I can give him the opportunity to, to seek out that, that if he wants it. So. Well, just think if we told our friends and asked them that same question or made that same statement to friends or colleagues or whoever versus just ramming our ideas down their throats. Yeah. I, I, the older I get, I feel like the less I say, by the grace of God, and the more questions I ask, I, I, it's a lot more questions than statement, or I, I, I hope it is. It's a lot more questions than it used to be. Maybe it's still mm-hmm. not more questions than statements, but where you're just trying to get clarity because so many times I feel like I had a handle on a situation or I knew and I didn't have all the information part of it you know it's like I think they need to do this and then you have a conversation like oh okay when and then you understand why they're making the decisions whether it's right or not but everybody does what makes sense to them and you you know I've, I've learned to try to understand why it makes sense to people so that I can help sure sure well Joel, I want to be sensitive of your time, especially since it's so early out your way. Um, yeah. But do you have any, you know, lasting or ending remarks that you'd like to leave the audience around their pathway to greatness? Well, I, I would say uh, it takes time to to kind of figure out your goals, define them, and then the, the process isn't glamorous. So so give yourself some grace and be patient because um, that really has helped me. There's faith, there's encouragement in the faithfulness. You know, there's encouragement in being faithful today. So if you, you can check that off your list, was I faithful? Did I get up and did I get after the work? Not sit back and wait for something I already did to like or some, you're someone that I'm waiting for a call to call. You, that's going to happen either way. So in the meantime, you, you've got to, or it's not going to happen. They, they may never call or whatever it is, but uh, you've got to be working. And then the encouragement comes from that. And so uh, again, we live in a, like a very instant society and I have to post something every day and I have to show people that I'm working on something. And for social media, there is some truth to like, as a, as a content creator, I do want to show up every day, but if you're building, you're figuring out, you know, who you are learning your craft, that doesn't have to be like broadcast every day, just quietly go do the thing, get better. And maybe 10 years from now is when you need to be posting every day. Mm-hmm. It may not be today. Um, I, I told my screenwriting students, there's only so many pictures that selfies you can take of yourself with your laptop at starbucks with like a hashtag grind or i'm grinding or i'm getting my script done it's like especially with writing it's not glamorous so just just go do it and don't try to make it glamorous and then your product will be even so much of this tabbing stuff it's 17 years of writing in a sense like not not necessarily it's always literally written sometimes it's just jokes that have been repeated and i know them but um I do a lot of planning and writing as well. So, No, that's awesome. Well, Joel, thank you for, for the time and, and the wisdom that you shared today. I've got a page full of notes and I know I'm going to go back and, and listen to it again. Um, but I just really appreciate um, you taking the time to, to share with me and my audience. So hang on one second. Yeah. And Thanks. ladies and gentlemen, Joel Berry. Appreciate the time. Thanks for reaching out. 